If you would go with me to 1 Peter this morning. 1 Peter, the second chapter. We've been ministering for some weeks now. I guess about 11 weeks, is that what it is? On the subject of the offerings of the Lord. And our text is in 1 Peter, the second chapter. Let's pray before we read this. How many believe that the Lord could give you something really good today? Answer questions maybe that you'd had a long time. Show you direction for right now. Because you know I'm not your teacher, the main teacher. And uh, you're not limited to what I know. The Holy Ghost is here. And he can say things to you that I didn't even say, right? In between the lines and about what was said. And just tailor it right to you so that you leave and say, glory to God, I heard from God. I heard from the Lord. So close your eyes right now, Father. We're all here before you. Our eyes are on you. To see what you would do and to hear what you would say. We agree together is touching this thing, asking for perfect and complete utterance. The anointing that teaches and ministers. For everybody, for ears that hear and eyes that see and a heart open and receptive. Let there come revelation of truth that sets free. Let there come divine grace deposits and spiritual and natural enablements. Let there come answers to questions and help and direction for right now. And we'll be receivers and we'll not just be hearers only, but we will by your grace be doers of the word. And as we do, we know we'll be blessed because you're always faithful to watch over your word and perform it in our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody say, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. Of the Word of God. You do understand that's the only people who get results. Not just churchgoers. Not just Bible readers. Not just tape players. It's only the, the doers who get results. And I'm talking to doers. First Peter chapter 2. Verse 5. He said you also as lively stones. Are built up a spiritual house. A holy priesthood. To do what? To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Another translation of this reads, the Amplified actually says, Come and like living stones... Be yourselves built into a spiritual house for a holy, dedicated, consecrated priesthood to offer up those spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable and pleasing to God through Jesus Christ. We've been made kings and priests, have we not? It's a fact, no matter if you feel like it or, you know, thought much about it, you are. You have been made a king and a priest. To understand what a priest does, you'd have to go back and look at the Old Testament and Leviticus and different places to see what they did. Because all that's a type of what we're to do now and in the future. And you'll see one thing that priests did a whole lot of was work in the offerings of the Lord. Sacrifices, or we'd probably say today, offerings. But they were offerings for sin and they were fellowship offerings and peace offerings and meal offerings and on and on and on and on. And it took a whole lot of people all the time just working in the offerings of the Lord. Well, are we priests today? What are we to do according to this New Testament verse? We are to do what? To offer up spiritual sacrifices that are what? acceptable, and the Amplified says pleasing and acceptable to Him. Now, you know, just by understanding there, if He specifies it acceptable, then there must be some that are unacceptable. And we're to offer up not just carnal sacrifices, but what? 
spiritual sacrifices and acceptable. Now, when you say spiritual, so many times people's mind go off on a tangent and they think it has nothing to do with natural things. But no, for instance, our praise and our worship and our thanksgiving is to be a spiritual sacrifice to God. It's something we're doing naturally, but how many know that they who worship God must worship Him how? In spirit and in truth. Well, couldn't you stand up and be making a lot of noise, but not be worshiping God in spirit? But could you also be singing and you're doing something in the natural, but it is a spiritual sacrifice. It's coming right out of your heart. It's in love. It's in faith. And it's a spiritual sacrifice. And it's acceptable to God. Pleasing to God. Well, the same thing is true concerning all of our offerings. You could write a check and put something in the plate and just go through the motion and it not be a spiritual sacrifice and it not be pleasing to God. Or you could do something in faith, in love, from your heart, by the direction of the Lord. And even though it's something that's happening in the natural, it is a spiritual sacrifice. And if it's done in faith and properly, it is pleasing to God. It is acceptable to him. Now, the word offering, like we've said before, offering. Offering means something that is offered. Sometimes the word is presented. Something that is presented, something that is offered, and our offerings are to God. So when we come in, we bring our offerings, our tithes, our first fruits, our gifts, and we lift them up. That's one reason I hold mine up. You know, that's another a way of expressing what the Bible calls a wave offering or a heave offering. All that meant is that you lifted it up. Why? Well, you're indicating I'm offering this not to a person out here horizontally. I'm offering it vertically to my God. Well, here's the thing I don't think so many people have understood or thought. Just because I offered you something doesn't mean you have to receive it. Just because you offered me something doesn't mean that I automatically or have to receive it. And just because we offer something to God, that does not mean he has to receive it or that he automatically receives it. And in fact, there are we've already covered a lot of ground and seen it. There are numerous scriptures that say very plainly there are some offerings he accepts and there are those he does not accept. And that's why this says we're to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are what? Acceptable to him. This is such an important thing that I don't think it's been camped on and dwelt upon properly like it should be. We were in 2 Corinthians 9 in the offering. Turn over that right now to the 8th chapter. 2 Corinthians 8. Through tradition and through centuries of the word not being taught on this subject this whole issue of offerings has become skewed and twisted and uh, in so many churches it's people and you know the ministers or people are talking about you know would you please give would you please give and that is such a privilege for us to receive your offerings And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And so much of it is just this. It's just horizontal. Men giving to men and men pulling and asking men to give to them and thanking men for giving to men. And it is not real to the people of God that we're giving to God. Right? Look what a difference in mentality here in the beginning days of the church in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 3, 2 Corinthians 8, 3. Well, let me back up to verse 1. He said, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Now, these are the beginning days of the church. They're just finding out about the things of God, and they're poor. 
But how many know that just because you're poor doesn't mean you can't give? And just because you're poor doesn't mean you can't be generous. You know, I've had people tell me, you know, it didn't take me long to straighten them out about it, but I've had people say, oh, Brother Keith, you ought to go over there, you know. They got several millionaires in that church. Well, just because they do, doesn't mean they're going to give any of it to you. I've been to churches that had all kind of money and didn't give me enough to get out of town. I've been to little churches that had eight people. That just blessed me amazingly. You should never get your eyes on people to begin with. Right? But sometimes people have thought, well, you know, especially talking about preaching the word outside the U.S. Oh, you ought not go over there preaching prosperity to those poor people. They're hurting. They need it the most of anybody. You shouldn't expect them to give. God does. See, that's the thing people miss. We must not set ourselves up as the source of anybody or the provider for anybody. We must teach them to look to the same source we look to. Right? Not be dependent on us, but on Him. And He has said, this is how it works. You honor me. With your substance and the first fruits of all your increase. And I'll bless you. I'll cause your barns to overflow. Hallelujah. And your presses to burst out with new wine. So give. And it will be given to you. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. Men will give into your bosom. And the measure you determine to sow out. That's how it's going to be determined to come back to you. Everybody should give. No such thing as somebody too poor to give. No. And so here he said to them, in their deep poverty, they were liberal. How many think they stayed in deep poverty? Being liberal. No, you know they didn't. You know they came out. We know the word well enough to know. Verse 3, for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. They were willing to do beyond what they had. How many know that should always be your heart? That should always be your heart. You know, no matter how much you have, you you ought to look around and say, Lord, I I wish I could just underwrite that whole thing. And if you keep sowing and keep sowing bigger and bigger and believing bigger and bigger, there'll be times when you'll be sitting in a service or in a meeting and it comes offering time and you'll sit there with your checkbook and go, now, Lord, what do you want me to do? You want me to do half of this? You want me to do all of it? What you want me to do? Hmm? Can you get there? Can God get you there? Yeah, he can. You can. But it won't be by thinking little. And it won't be by sowing little. Now notice what he goes on to say. He says, They prayed us, verse 4, with much entreaty that we would what? Receive the gift. And take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Let me read that from another translation. One said, uh, they begged us to take the money. (laughs) That's the living Bible. So they could share In the joy of that ministry. They begged us to take the money. Now that is a 180 degree. Instead of somebody begging them to give money. Hmm? People come in and you know. And they got lots of money. And they throw a five dollar bill in the plate. And act like they hung the moon. And we all just ought to be blessed that I put that in there. Now in a case like that. God did not even receive their offering. Did you hear me? And there are numerous times when we as heads of churches and ministries should not accept people's offerings. Are you with me now? Why? Because people are insulting. You know what I'm saying? They, they, They are disrespectful of the things of God or they have some ulterior motive. They're wanting to buy something. 
Well, I'll sow this into the ministry if you'll do this. That's the offering you do not accept. Did you hear me now? I've been there before. There are times when some things may come like this at a time when you need the money. You're believing you could have used it last week. But how many understand it must come right to glorify God or you must refuse it. And if you don't refuse it, then you fail tests that will prevent you from being promoted. See, that's what Abraham was saying. When the princes of Sodom and Gomorrah were trying to give him the stuff. So they were trying to act like they're going to, you know, they are the big men. And they're going to be big and they're going to bless Abraham. And they were ungodly. And God used him to bail them out. And he said, no, uh-uh. No, you're not going to give anything to me today. I'm not going to take a shoelace from you today. Because let it never be said. That ungodly people made me rich. Mm -mm. No. God must get the glory. Out of my life. Out of my family's prosperity. Out of our church's prosperity. Out of our ministry's prosperity. You know I pray this all the time. Lord let everything be done in this thing. In such a way that you would be seen. And you would be exalted. And you would get the glory. Right? You want people to look at you. And look at your stuff and go man. God is good. Look what God did. God, 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 God. He did it. And if you'll go his way, he'll do it that way. So that everybody knows. And don't get your feelings hurt if people look at you and go, that had to be God. Because I know they ain't that smart. (laughs) That had to be God because they didn't even know anybody that had that much money. I mean, it had to be God. You just smile and go, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, the Lord did so many things for us in starting this church. I mean, it was just instant church. It was no church and then boom, church. (laughs) And nice and strong. And a a minister, we were having a meal together. And right after this happened, he said, I heard that this happened for you, Brother Keith. And I said, yeah. He said, tell me. So I told him a little bit about what happened. And he just sat there and shook his head. And we're eating. And about 20 minutes later, he just put his fork down. He said, Brother Keith. I said, what? He said, that's got to be God. I said, I know it. I know it's got to be God. I know it. (laughs) And it is. And that's the way it's supposed to be in every child of God's life. So that people look at the prosperity and the blessing on your life and go, that's got to be God. I know what they make down where they work. They don't make that much money. How can they live like that? Hmm? Got to be God, right? They ain't begging. They're not just borrowing from everybody. Where is it coming from? You know, the Lord blessed Phyllis and I. The last job that I worked for somebody else where I had a salary, we began to give as a ministry. We began to sow into that ministry. And the last, I forget, two or three years that we worked for them, I sowed more into their ministry than they paid me for the year. Well, how do you do that? (laughs) It's got to be God, right? It's got to be coming in from other channels. Is that right? And if you'll believe God, you're not limited to your salary. You're not limited to that little check. Oh, God's got so many ways that he can do things. And he gets the glory. He gets the glory. So here you see that they're pleading with him. Please, Brother Paul, accept our offering, would you? Please, take the money. You hear something that maybe they had a thought. He might not accept it. Why plead with somebody to accept it? Oh, do you see what a different mentality? What a different mentality. See, preachers have misrepresented the Lord and the kingdom by being beggars. And by going around with their hand out all the time. Mealy mouth. Could you help the church? Would you give the church a discount? You have a minister's discount for us? Beggars. 
I said, beggars, always asking for something. Y'all have something left over for us? And then if somebody, you know, they weren't honoring God, they just tipped God. And you go, oh, thank you. Who, oh, oh, isn't that wonderful? You're so wonderful. You're so wonderful. And they walk away and think God feels that way. And God didn't even receive their offering. There must be some renewal of the mind in these. Now, don't, I'm not saying be haughty. I'm not saying be rude and ugly, but we must represent Him properly. God is not begging anybody for anything. It's a privilege if you offer to Him and He receives your offering. Oh, it's a privilege that the created could give something to the Creator and He would receive it. It's an honor. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. And this is not just giving money now. This is everything we do for the kingdom of God. I know a friend of mine uh, was telling me about a guy he knew. That his church was kind of loose and disorganized. And he had a fellow come in to hold him a meeting. And They hadn't planned like they should have. And he got up and he said, you know, brother so-and-so, would you come lead singing for us? And he said, well, I'm not prepared. Uh, No, no, I don't think so. Well, sister so-and-so, would you come, you know, and sing? He did that for about 30 minutes. Well, so brother so-and-so, would you come sing that special we like? No, well, my throat's a little scratchy this morning and I'm just, I'm just not prepared. And I mean, he went on and on and nobody would play and nobody would sing. And finally, all the light switches were on one side of the platform. He just went over there and turned them all off. He said, go home. Just go home. And he called the guest speaker. He said, would you come back to my office, please? And he wrote him an offering check. He said, I'm sorry. My people weren't ready to have church. He said, here, please accept this and I'll call you when they get ready. And they're all sitting out there in the dark wondering what's going on. But, you know, listen, ministers and heads of churches and heads of ministries, if people drag their feet and act like they don't want to serve, they don't want to help, act like they're doing you this great privilege by showing up and being willing to do so. See, they have no concept that they're supposed to be doing this unto the Lord. They're doing it to Him. And this haughty attitude is unacceptable. And some people think because they have a little talent, that that excuses everything. And they can come drag in late all the time. And maybe they will. And maybe they won't. And it's just how they feel and how it strikes them. They are judging themselves unworthy to serve. Amen. They'll render. I don't care how talented they may be. That kind of hard attitude makes what they do unacceptable to God. And you don't want stuff going, I don't care how perfect the pitch is or how perfect the mechanics of what they're doing is. You don't want anything happening in the service that is unacceptable to God. Right? Now go with me, if you would, to the book of Matthew. Book of Matthew, the fifth chapter. Now let me restate this again. The Lord does not accept all offerings, nor does he accept all prayers, nor does he accept all praise and worship. Just because you prayed a prayer, that does not mean God accepted it or received it. Just because you said, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. That doesn't mean automatically the Lord received it. Let me read a couple of scriptures to you to just verify that. The Bible said in Psalm, don't turn to these, you're going to Matthew 5. But in Psalm 66, 18, he said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Proverbs 28, 9. He that turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. There have been many times that people, they heard the word, but they just ignored it and went on and prayed something crosswise with the word. Well, God doesn't receive those kind of prayers. 
I don't care if you prayed all night and all day. I don't care if you prayed the same thing for 30 days. If you're praying crosswise of the word, God will not accept that prayer. You're just wasting your breath. The Bible does talk about vain praying and vain giving. It also taught, the Bible said in Proverbs 21, talking about offerings. Proverbs 21, 27. The sacrifice or the offering of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he brings it with a wicked mind. You know, this is an area that we need to think about. Malachi 3 is true. You bring the tithes to God, he's committed to open the windows of heaven. Pour out a blessing, you don't have room to contain it. Rebuke the devourer for your sake. Luke 6 is true. Give and it'll be given. It'll come back to you. Proverbs 4 and 19 is true. My God will supply. But this area is true too. You can give with a wrong heart. And God not even accept your offering. Well, if God didn't accept your offering, are you going to be blessed? Are you going to have a return on something he didn't even accept? No, the seed never got in the ground. You put it in the plate, but it never got in the ground. How many know what I'm talking about? We've got millions of Christians that are tipping God. They make good money. They think nothing about buying a $50,000 car, $300,000 house, $500,000 house. But they would never dream of giving God $50,000. That never crossed their mind. You know what I'm saying? And so they think they're doing God this great favor by putting a 10 in there and a 20 in there. And they spend more than that on their coffee. You understand what I'm saying? And people say, well, what do you want me to do, preacher? You need to forget me. Get your eyes off of me. Get your eyes off your pastor. That's the problem. Everybody's looking at each other. This is between you and God. It's between me and God. Right? Are you honoring God with your stuff? Am I honoring God? Well, I'm not to judge you. You're not to judge me. But we're not to play with this. We're to understand, unless this is done properly, God does not accept it. In fact, hold your place there in Matthew. Probably come there in just in a moment. But go to Malachi. Glory to God. We're making progress. Mm-mm-mm. We read this and talked about this earlier, but I want us to look at it again. Malachi 1, verse 6. He said, a son honors his father, a servant his master. If I be a father, where is my honor, God's saying. If I'm a master, where's my fear, where's my respect? Says the Lord of hosts unto you, O priest, that despise my name. And the pre- these are the preachers now. And they said, where did we despise your name? Listen, friends, every congregation's respect For the things of God is a reflection of their pastor's respect for the things of God. If the leaders don't treat the offerings as holy, then the people are not going to treat them as holy. If people get up and say, well, you know, I'm sorry we have to even have an offering. But you know, we got bills to pay and we got this and that. And we put a little box in the back. And if you'll just go put something by there, you know, well, we believe the Lord will bless you some way. No respect for the offerings of the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? No, we're not ashamed. If we had 12 billion sitting in the bank collecting interest, we'd take just as much time or more on the offerings, right? Why? Because it ain't just about money for the ministry. You need to give. I need to give. We need to honor the Lord and worship Him with our stuff like He told us to do. Much more going on here than just the needs of the ministry being met. He went on to say, verse 7, you offer polluted bread on my altar. You say the table of the Lord is contemptible. 
That'd be like despising the offerings, making light of them. You offer the blind for sacrifice. Is it not evil? You offer the lame and the sick. Is it not evil? Offer it to your governor. Will he be pleased with you? Give it to him. See if he likes it. Or accept your person, says the Lord of hosts. Let me read this to you. This is strong. From the, uh, what was this? I believe this was the New Living, maybe. He said, verse 10, I wish somebody would shut the temple doors so these worthless sacrifices would not be offered. I am not at all pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will not accept your offerings. Why? Because they were despising, you know, people were coming up and saying, well, we do these offerings all the time, you know. Ain't no need in bringing the good animal. Just bring the rejects. Because we're just going to lay them up there and kill them anyway. We studied the first offering, didn't we? Back in Genesis. In fact, turn there, hold your place there. Genesis 4. Now you got Matthew 5 and you got Malachi 1. We're getting in the Word. You got all your fingers stuck in there, right? Yeah, yeah. What do you think he's going to do here this morning? Genesis 4. Three, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground a what? An offering to who? To the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the what? The firstlings of his flock and of the what? The fat thereof. Round here we gave that sheep a name. We said that's fluffy. Right? (laughs) When it come offering time, Abel went out to his flock. He's a shepherd. This is what he does. This is his business. And it's time to pick the Lord's sheep. What'd he do? He said, well, there's Buffy over there. Pretty nice sheep. But you know his ear kind of flops over sometimes. And there's Skippy, he's a good sheep too. But you know, his legs are just not exactly symmetrical. And there's Bingo, he's a good sheep. But you know, he's just not really purebred. He's a mix. And he kept looking and he kept looking and he saw Fluffy. Fluffy had won every ribbon at every fair. Fluffy was on the picture of Sheep Monthly. Fluffy was whatever she aspired to be. And he said, that's it. Fluffy is the Lord's sheep. Right? And he brought Fluffy to the Lord. And what did the Bible say? Come on, read now. Are you with me in verse 4? And the Lord, what? Had respect to Abel and to his offering. Hebrews 11 tells us that Abel's offering was accepted because he offered it by faith and that he was accepted. And that because of his faith and because of the way he did that, he is still being talked about today and that's obvious. Now get this, oh this is simple. It wasn't just that Fluffy was accepted. Who? Abel. Abel. In accepting Abel's offering, God is saying, he's not just saying, I accept Fluffy. He's saying, I accept you. I accept what you're doing here. I accept your heart towards me. I accept you. Oh, my. Can you see why the devil has fought this so hard? Why he hates, oh, he hates the offerings of the Lord. He's been rejected of God. And he's envious of us being accepted and approved of God. Oh, he hates it. When we love God and we honor God, not just with our words, but with our stuff, with our substance. And we bring it in such a way that God smiles and he breathes in and goes, Yes, that pleases me. I receive that offering. I receive you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Woohoo. 
This is every offering. Praise, worship, service, money, every offering. If it's done properly. But to Cain, verse 5, to Cain and his offering, he what? He had not respect. What does that mean? He did not receive his offering. And he did not receive him. In this situation. God does not accept all offerings. And the big thing that makes the offering acceptable. Is the heart of the offerer. It's not the amount of the gift. It's not the size of the gift. It's not the size of the check. It's the heart of the giver. Well the poor widow demonstrates that. Right? She didn't give a lot. Uh, amount wise she did percentage wise but God was so impressed with her he said this woman is out giving everybody here today and I mean it's recorded forever in the Bible her offering does God care about offerings so people are trying to tell you that he does ah wish them preachers would just quit talking about offerings 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 have you ever studied the Bible on the subject and seen how many thousands and thousands and thousands of references there are to the offerings of the Lord we've been going for months here and we haven't touched this we've barely touched it it's big I said it's big we're not trying to buy anything. Now this is important. You don't try to buy your healing with an offering. You don't try to buy salvation for your loved one with an offering. You can't. There's no amount of money can buy healing. There's no amount of money can buy salvation. That price has already been paid by the blood of the Lamb. No, we're not trying to buy anything. We're not trying to manipulate God. Who could? That's impossible. God's not going to be swayed by a little check. Huh? No, I'm not going to bless you. No, I'm not going to bless you. Oh, there's a check. Well, sure. Are you kidding? Nobody can write a big enough check to even impress God with the amount. He creates planets. You can't impress him. Oh, it's a billion dollars. Does God going to grab his throne and go, whoo, a billion. <laughs> uh-uh. You can't impress him with an amount, but you can impress him with your heart. With your faith. With your love. Now go back to Matthew please. Matthew 5. In Matthew 5 notice this. These are the words of Jesus. The master. And he said. Matthew 5. And uh, 21. I'm reading out of the English version. Matthew 5 21. You've heard that people were told in the past, do not commit murder. Anyone who does will be brought to trial. But now I tell you, whoever is angry with his brother will be brought to trial. Whoever calls his brother, you good for nothing, will be brought before the council. And whoever calls his brother a worthless fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Now, you know, both... Jesus and Paul called people fools. They did. But that's not what this is talking about. There are times when somebody is acting a fool. A fool is not being wise and not having understanding. He's not just saying that. He's saying calling somebody worthless. You worthless, good-for-nothing idiot. It's not just telling somebody that they're foolish. What are you trying to do? You're trying to convince them that they are worthless. That's hate. Right? That's violation of the commandment of love. Hate. You're not trying to bless them. You're not trying to build them or help them. You're trying to hurt them. You're trying to destroy any confidence that they have. And he said, you're in danger of judgment. Right? 
If you don't repent, you'd be judged for that. Keep reading. He said in verse 23, Therefore, with that in mind, or the English version says, If you're about to offer your gift to God. That's what we're talking about now, right? About to offer your gift to God. And there you remember that your brother has something against you. Now this is not that you feel like they did something against you. This is what? You did something against them. And you remember it. Then do what? Verse 24. You're in church. You know, go ahead and do your offering. And soon as you can. Wonder how many people in the church even practice this at all. Now see, the Lord through Brother Kenneth all this week has been strong on the love commandment and keeping that commandment, walking in love, living in love, operating in love, staying out of strife, forgiving. Well, does it affect our offerings? Men, see, there's light here as to why. There are people that have been tithing, 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 giving, 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 and just not getting ahead. Just not seeing the harvest. Does that mean the word doesn't work? Does that mean it's not for everybody? Doesn't work for everybody? No, we've got to also remember things like this. Right? Just because you put something in the plate doesn't mean it got in the ground. Doesn't mean you automatically have a harvest. And if your heart's not right and you've been treating people wrong, then you're not ready to bring your offering. Did I say that or did Jesus say that? Come on, read it again. What did he say? You're bringing your gift to God, right? Verse 24. Well, verse 23, excuse me. You bring your gift to the altar, and while you got your gift in your hand to bring it to God, you remember. Well, I didn't do them right. Man, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. Then what do you do? Leave your gift there. Don't finish the offering. Leave it right there and go and first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Why? Why? Because if you don't, it won't be accepted. If it's not accepted, it's not in the ground. There's not going to be a harvest. You're not going to be blessed. Is this important? Oh, it's so important. Go back to Malachi, please. Second chapter. Malachi 2. In Malachi, the second chapter, in verse uh, 13, he said, This you've done again, covering the altar of the Lord. Altar. Same place he was talking about with your gift. Covering with tears and weeping and with crying out insomuch that he regards not what? The offering anymore or receives it with goodwill at your hand. Now see, this is a picture. So many times, you know, in the small churches especially, used to have the little altar bench and there's the altar in the temple and the tabernacle. And anytime you're coming to the front, by faith, you see yourself coming before the altar of the Lord to bring this. And he's saying, you're bringing your offerings before the altar and this altar has got tears all over it of people that you hurt. Do you see that? So you, I'm not going to receive your offering. You're not ready to bring this offering to the altar. And he mentions specifically marriages that were being torn apart. Notice this. He said in Matthew 2, I'm reading in the uh, Amplified, verse 13. He said, you do this with double guilt. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears shed by your unoffending wives. Divorced so you could take heathen wives. And with weeping and crying, the Lord does not regard your offering anymore or accept it with favor at your hand. Listen to the English version. 
He said, you drowned the Lord's altar with tears, weeping and wailing, because he no longer accepts the offerings you bring him. You ask why he no longer accepts them. It's because he knows you have broken your promise to your wife you married when you were young. She was your partner, and you broke your promise to her, although you promised before God that you'd be faithful to her. Didn't God make you one body and one spirit with her? What was his purpose in this? That you should have children that are God's people. So make sure that none of you breaks his promise to his wife. I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. I hate it when one of you does such a cruel thing to his wife. Make sure that you do not break your promise to be faithful to your wife. How many understand you cannot just break covenant and be unfaithful and lie and hurt people and then waltz up with your offering? I'm going to sow a big seed and be blessed. No, you're not. You can put it in the offering. The church might accept it. Men might accept it. That doesn't mean God accepted it. Doesn't mean it's in the ground. Doesn't mean you have harvest coming. Now this is not just Old Testament. Go to 1 Peter the third chapter. 1 Peter 3. Can you see why the Lord Jesus said, you come to the altar and you got your gift in your hand and you remember you've hurt somebody. What do you do? Don't finish the offering. You're not ready to give. Are you getting light on this, friends? Man, I know I am. See, we must stop just coming to church and saying, it's offering time. Yeah, what would I'm going to do? I hadn't even thought about it till I got here. Okay, you know, I got a five. I think, what you got? You got any money? Yeah, okay. Boom. That's why people are not blessed. That's why the devourer is eating their lunch. And I don't understand it. I've been tithing for ten years and I just... No, no, what's wrong? I know why it don't work for me. We can't play with the offerings of the Lord. We must be serious about them. We must honor God. Right? You making 10000 a week, you don't come put a 20 in the offering. Did you hear me? I don't. I said, I don't. There was a time when five was big to me and Phyllis. It was big. And we honored God with a five. But for me to put a five in now would be disrespectful. Because the Lord's blessing me bigger than that. Did you hear me? Wouldn't be right. No, five is not big to me. How many remember when David was going to offer up the offering to the Lord and Arana said, here, I'll give you all this stuff. I'll give you this threshing floor. I'll give you this oxen. He said, no, no, I can't offer to the Lord something that means nothing to me and costs me nothing. No, I can't offer a worthless, valueless offering to the Lord. He said, I gotta pay you, and I gotta pay you full price. Amen. Where has that gone in the body? We've got, it's got to be restored so that we think right. And it's not an afterthought when we get to church. We've been praying about it. We've been believing on it. We sat down at the table and talked about it. And when we got to church, we're ready. We're loaded. Both barrels loaded. Right? Got our offering in our, in our hands and we got faith in our heart and we've checked our heart. We don't, as far as we know, we got, nobody's got anything against us. Right? And when we start giving properly and our offerings are accepted, do you think you'll see any change in the finances, in the harvest, in the blessing, in the devourer being rebuked? First Peter, are you there? First Peter three. He begins in this chapter talking about, actually if you back up to the second chapter, he was talking about submitting to people that are over you. And in chapter 3, he talked about how the wives should treat their husbands and respond and live with their husbands. And he goes on down to verse 7, talking about how the husbands should dwell with their wives. 1 Peter 3, 7, with honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, being heirs together of the grace of God. Why? Verse 7, 1 Peter 3, 7, why? That your prayers be not hindered. What if you're not treating your wife right? What if you're not treating your husband right, but you are a prayer warrior? 
In that case, you could pray all night long and your prayer not be accepted. Oh, there's been so many times when people have been, you know, they thought, well, I don't need anybody. Just God and me. And they've treated their husband like dirt. They've treated their wife like dirt. And they're in there trying to pray and trying to be spiritual. And all the time, and their heart's gnawing on them, you need to go in there and make that right. Go in there and make, no, no, I'm spiritual. I'm just going to pray. And they don't appreciate my spirituality or acknowledge my gift. And all the time, if you'll be quiet and be honest, it's gnawing in you. You need to get up and go in there and get that right. Need to make it right. Why? Because your prayer is not accepted. I don't care how spiritual you are and how long you talk in tongues. Did you hear me? I don't care how many big checks you put in the offering. If your heart's not right, if you're not treating people right, if you're not walking in love, if you're not forgiving, then it's not accepted. I want it to be accepted. How about you? Yes. Yes. And so easily and so quickly can that which was unacceptable become acceptable. You can change in your heart just like that. You know, Brother Kenneth Hagin, my father in the faith, I had the privilege to serve with so long. He said uh, years ago in his ministry, he was struggling, and the Lord had dealt with him to leave his church and to go out into the road ministry. And man, it just got from bad to worse. Every month he's going further and further in the hole. And so he's fasting about it for a couple of days. And he's spending extra time and he's saying, God, God, I obeyed you. I did what you told me. I didn't want to, but I left my last church. I've been out on the road. I mean, they used to pay for our gas and bring us food and clothes. And, and now none of that's there. I got all these expenses and, and none of the income. And, and you told me if I'd be willing and obedient, I'll eat the good of the land. And I obeyed you, but it's not happening. And he said he prayed this for like a couple of three days. And at the end of the time, the Lord spoke to him very specifically, very strongly. He said, well, the reason is you don't qualify. He said he felt like the Lord had hit him a low blow. He thought, God, what do you mean I don't qualify? I'm a faith man. I'm a word man. He said, you don't qualify. He said, Lord, you said if you'd be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. I obeyed you. He said, not willingly. You could tell that by the tone of the prayer. See, when people talk about, I left it. I did what the Lord told me to do. What are you doing? You're looking back longingly. Boy, it used to be good. Now, I gave up everything. (laughs) Nobody knows the price I paid. Untrue. God knows exactly what you have done and what you haven't done. And in obeying God, all you left was the judgment and punishment for disobedience. That's all you left. It pays to obey God. He's never going to lead you in obedience. is never going to strip you of blessings and cost you. Yeah, there's investment sometimes in the beginning. Oh, but it's good to be around when payday comes. He said, the problem is, you don't qualify. You did it. Yeah, you did it, but you hadn't been willing. Do you see that? What's he saying? Then what you're doing here is unacceptable because it's not willing. So we just got through reading that during offering time. Don't do it. Don't give grudgingly. Don't do it because you feel like you have to. What? That would make it unacceptable. Oh, come on now, preachers, ministers, leaders, get this. If somebody comes dragging in and goes, well, okay. I mean, if you need me, all right, for you. No, uh uh-uh, they've already disqualified themselves. Did you hear me? Your children need to be taught this. They don't stomp off and go, well, I have to. No, then you can't do it. You've disqualified yourself. If the willingness is not there, then what you would do is unworthy of God receiving it. How many understand God is bowing down to even accept it of us? Oh, do you understand it? God, he's coming down to us. It's like little children. Like a three-year-old colored, you know, made a horse with a crayon. And want you to see it. <laughs> and what does a loving parent do if they know the child's heart is right and everything's right? What do they do? Oh, baby. Beautiful. 
Oh, that's a pretty dog. It's a horse. Oh, yeah, horse. It's a pretty. Oh, what a pretty horse. And put it up on the refrigerator. Yeah, make a big deal out of it. It ain't no work of art. And so much of what we're doing, it ain't no work of art. But because our heart is right, our Father receives it and blesses us for it. Causes it to come back on us. Multiplied. Can you say amen? Amen. Turn to Psalm 20 and I think I can close. We're going to close this by speaking a blessing over you. Is that all right? A blessing in the written word of God by faith and inspiration. Now before we do, let me remind you of 1 John 4. You're there in Psalm 20, but let me remind you. Why was Cain's offering unacceptable? I've heard sometimes people say, well, it's because he brought produce. And, uh, you know, he didn't bring a blood sacrifice. I can't see that. There's nothing said in that about this being an offering for sin. Offer anything for atonement. There's no indication of any of that. They just brought an offering, a gift to the Lord. And uh, Abel's occupation was shepherding, so he had sheep. Cain's occupation was farming, so he had produce. What made his offering unacceptable? Well, you could probably deduce, since you see the language on Abel's and you don't see it on Cain's, that it wasn't his best. Right? Because God is fair. He wouldn't say it was the best Abel had, and then if Cain did bring his best, he wouldn't leave that out. He'd have said that too. So it probably was his, you know, second-rate stuff. Right? It wasn't his best. But that's not even the whole deal. Why would you bring junk to God? Now listen to this. 1 John 4.20 says, If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother and sister, that person is a liar. For if you don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we've not seen? And God himself has commanded that we must love not only him, but our Christian brothers and sisters too. Why was Cain's offering unacceptable? Because he did not love God with it. So how can you say that? I can say it with authority. Why? If he had been loving God, there's no way he could have killed his brother. That's what this whole passage says. If you love God, you love his kids. Right? There's no way he could have been loving God in that offering and turn around and kill his brother. The fact that he killed his brother and hated his brother means he is not loving God. He's hating God. And that's why, see, he came up there just like his brother did and maybe his other family members were there too. I don't know. And he brought his offering in like everybody else did. But see, God sees right through everything. He knew what was brewing in his heart. He knew what kind of dark thoughts and attitude he had. Right? And he warned him about it. See, it came out. You can see, you know, when he didn't receive his offering, see how mad he got. Oh, he got, I mean, just all this rage came up in him. And God said, watch it. Sin's at the door. You better get a hold of this. And if you do well, shall you not be accepted? What's he telling him? Just make an adjustment and I'll accept your offering. Isn't that what he's saying? If you do good, you do what your brother did. I will accept you. He wanted to accept him. But he can't bless that. What makes our offering acceptable to God? Most said, well, our faith. True, but faith works by love. When you bring it to God and you love God with it. Oh, God, thank you for blessing me this week, helping me to make all that money. Here's my offering. Oh, I love you. Thank you. Give me my breath. You treat me so good. Oh, you give me a good family. You take care of my babies. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We love you. And I'm loving you and honoring you with my stuff. I didn't bring $3. Here, I brought an offering. 
I brought an offering. You know what I'm talking about? Are you there in Psalm 20? Don't misunderstand me. If all you had was $5, $3 is a big offering. Depends on where you are. Psalm 20. And I think I can close. In fact, stand up. Hold your Bible in your hands and stand up. This whole psalm is a blessing inspired by the Spirit of God. I want you to read it as I speak it over you. And I'm going to speak it over you. And I'm not just reading this over you now. I'm speaking it over you as a man of God, as a minister of God in faith. Are you ready to receive it? Father God, we offer ourselves before you at the conclusion of this service. And give us utterance to speak these words. And we mix faith in releasing and speaking this blessing over us all. In Jesus' name. Psalm 20. I'm speaking to you and over you. The Lord hear you in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend you. Send you help from the sanctuary. And strengthen you out of Zion. The Lord remember all your offerings and accept your sacrifice and grant you according to your heart and fulfill all your counsel. Read this out loud together with me. Verse 5. We will rejoice in your salvation. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all our petitions. Hallelujah. Let me read the rest of it to you. Now know I that the Lord saves his anointed. He will hear from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in their chariots and some in their horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They'll be brought down and fall, but we rise and stand upright. Save, Lord, and let the king hear us when we call. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord accept your offerings. Did you hear that blessing? The Lord accept all your offerings and your sacrifices. Close your eyes and just begin to praise Him some. Lord, we praise you. Pray in the Spirit and praise in the Spirit a little bit. Oh, I heard in my spirit, I heard the Spirit of God say, Many in this place, And many that shall hear these words in other places will now move up into a higher place. Just like in times past, many here prayed and prayed but got no results. For they prayed amiss and they prayed against the word and they prayed in vain. But then they learned the word and they learned about faith and they learned about The Spirit and the leadings of the Spirit. And now they pray in power. And now God accepts their prayer and they get their prayers answered. Even so will many begin to give in the offerings of the Lord with renewed faith and a right heart. And will begin to get results in their finances that they had not seen heretofore. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Some things hadn't been working, but now they'll be working. Hallelujah. They'll be working. Oh, glory to God. 
Glory to God, 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 glory to God. Glory to God, glory to God. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Oh, praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord, praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Say it out loud. Oh, Lord, examine me. See if there be in me anything not right in your eyes. And set a watch at the door of my mouth and alert me about any words and thoughts and attitudes that grieve you and displease you. And I purpose. By your grace, I will not bring worthless offerings. I'll not bring them or a good offering with a defiled heart, with corrupt attitude. But I will bring a good offering with a good heart, in good faith and in love. And I thank you in advance for receiving my offerings, for accepting them and accepting me and blessing me as you have said. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.